I love not typing. mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and for this episode of the podcast, I am joined by a very special guest, uh, comic book writer Morgan Glennon. So welcome to Supergirl (laughs) Radio, Morgan. Thank you for being with me. Thank you. And I have to say, I'm a longtime fan of the podcast. <laughs> I, I think what you guys do here, you and your co-host, who I hear is talented and beautiful. Uh, <laughs> just great stuff, guys. <laughs> First yeah. time, long time. <laughs> she contributes a, a great deal uh, to the podcast. So I really do appreciate her uh, very, very much for uh, <laughs> talking about Supergirl and uh, 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 talking about Supergirl with me and also putting up with me. Uh, so uh, that's that's uh, good to hear your perspective on that. Uh, of course, Morgan Glennon is my Supergirl Radio co-host, <laughs> uh, but now we can say that she is also a comic book writer, uh, a longtime comic book reader, now uh, dipping her toes into comic book writing <laughs> because she has written a story for By Visibility, a bisexual anthology, uh, still by a Kickstarter project that will be launching uh, soon or maybe already by the time this has been recorded, we'll have already launched i think it will have already launched when we uh when we get this live so go support it so <laughs> if you are in the future watching this or listening to this please check the audio show notes or the video description uh for a link to the kickstarter so that you can back the project if you would like to and if you would like to back the project uh uh please do so to support morgan well because we normally talk about reading comics here on supergirl radio we we've done that quite a bit we we talk about comics we analyze the comics uh and uh we have also interviewed other comic book writers i thought it would be fun uh (laughs) (laughs) i thought it would be fun to interview morgan about her experience writing her comic book story because she is now a comic book writer. So I I have a lot of questions uh, that I want to uh, pose to you. So the first one is, what inspired you to be a writer? Not just like a comic book writer, but how did you get started in writing? How and when uh, did you first uh, learn to love writing? That's a great question, Rebecca. Thanks so much. Tell tell me your origin story (laughs) in writing. My origins are, it really does go way back though. When I was little, everybody, you know, asks little kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and so I said a veterinarian, clearly, obviously. <laughs> That's I love- so funny. I did too. When I was in third grade, I wanted yeah. to be a vet, but then I learned about how much science and math was involved. And I was like, forget it. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, mine was that. different. So I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I learned that there was going to be like blood involved, like blood <laughs> surgery. And, like, 
not all of the animals were going to make it. Right. And I was like, well, no, I had been led to believe that being a veterinarian means petting the dogs and petting the cats. Sounds great. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, well, that that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> um, so I'm pivoting. At a young age, I had to pivot my life dreams. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, what else do I like? And it turned out that it was reading. And I, I like to write. Um, I always wrote kind of like as far back as I can remember, I always wrote little stories. And so I was like, fine, then I'll just be a writer, a very easy and reasonable life goal to attain. I'm sure I will make lots of money. Um, <laughs> little Morgan knew nothing, uh, <laughs> and was wrong about everything. What, so, what, what kinds of stories was uh, Little Morgan writing? Little Morgan was writing all kinds of stuff. Uh, little Morgan was writing a lot of fan fiction because she okay. loved Sailor Moon. So oh, like, Sailor Moon what stuff. Okay. Was Sailor Moon doing? Uh, I also wrote like for like school assignments. I would like write little stories. I they we used to get these like vocabulary assignments, which was like you know just use the vocabulary words in a sentence. And because this is the kind of monster that I was as a child, I tried to make the sentences into like a little story, uh, thereby ruining it for the rest of my class. Because when I turned in a couple of those, the teacher was like, this is great. Everyone should do this. <laughs> I was popular. So, <laughs> so as far back as I can kind of remember, I was writing stories. And my dad always used to like tell me stories like we would be driving down to the, the beach and he would tell me these crazy stories about like tiny people who like lived in your pocket or like a little mouse society and the little mouse problems. Uh, so I feel like it kind of went way back uh, <laughs> to like liking storytelling and, and being like, oh, I want to do that too. So I would just like write, you know, when I was little and and then even in like, you know, in, in high school. And then when I got to college, I had to pick a major. I was like, huh, what should I do? So I thought about English, but then I was like, again, would love to feed myself. So I picked a more <laughs> reasonable, um, a, what I thought was a more reasonable major, which was journalism, which I'm going to pause here for laughter because um, <laughs> I wanted to feed myself with that one. Uh, so, yeah. So then I went into journalism and did like, you know, I learned about journalism writing, which is definitely a lot different than like creative writing um, and got to do that for a little while. And I did some freelance work um, once I actually got out of college and started working at like an act, a Japanese newspaper. But then I was like, oh, I don't know Japanese, so I can't actually write anything. Well, so womp, womp. <laughs> so that's why I started to do some freelance writing about like television and entertainment stuff that I was kind of into at the time. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't until like the last, I'd say, the beginning of the pandemic, suddenly, surprisingly, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> uh, imagine. And so uh, somebody I knew had told me about these like um, creative writing contests called NYC Midnight, yeah, uh, which is basically like flesh fiction contests. And so I was like, well, that could be fun. And I haven't done creative writing and a long, long time. So that would be really fun. So I just started doing a bunch of those. And, um, and it's been great to kind of like, you know, strengthen that creative writing muscle again and, and just kind of write. No, I can't, apparently I can't just write for myself because every time I'm like, oh, I'm going to write tonight, I just don't do it. But I can <laughs> if there's a deadline. Uh, so that's been very, that's been very helpful. So yeah, so I feel like I've been kind of writing all along. Um, 
not like commercially though. So again, the, the money portion of it has escaped me entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Deadlines are good motivators for they sure. They really are. And I don't want to tell you how to live your life or what to do. Sure, but do it. <laughs> I think you should take those stories that your dad, this is my suggestion, mm-hmm. that you should take those stories that your dad made up or told you, and I think you should do something with them. I think that would be yeah. really cool. You should maybe, uh, I, I don't know if those would be like a children's book or uh, some sort of young adult novel or something, but <laughs> I don't know. If you wanted to stretch those muscles some more, I don't know. That That's would be a great my idea. suggestion. That's a great idea. We always used to tell my dad that, like, you know, you should write a children's book because he would just, like, make up these stories on the fly um, because I was like, ah, I'm in a bad mood and I don't want to eat my dinner. And he'd be like, I'll tell you a story if you eat your mashed potatoes. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think he really missed out on on a perfect opportunity to to pump out a bunch of children's books called please just eat your food (laughs) (laughs) that's a great title of a book (laughs) i think it is yeah yeah so i just wanted to uh uh, suggest that if uh you ever uh had some time on your hands (laughs) well in terms of so we've gotten your writer's origin story but what's your comic book origin story what got you into reading comics yeah, I mean that that goes back to my girl Sailor Moon. Uh always and forever. Uh back when I was little and Sailor Moon was like coming out, I was like, well this is the best television program I've ever seen. Uh Emmys, <laughs> Emmys, Peabody's. Uh and I was like I must know more about this show. So, you know, that was back when the internet was like um like a GeoCities page with like <laughs> Uh, flashing background. It was all really to give you a seizure. That was the, the goal <laughs> was of the internet time. back then. It was. I can't. I can't stress enough how great of a time it was and how much <laughs> I prefer it to now. Uh, <laughs> if only every web page could have those little like visitor counters yes. still on the bottom. Man, those are good. Um, so <laughs> I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is based off of a comic book. And I didn't really read comics at the time, uh, but I was like, okay, let's pick up the Sailor Moon manga, and I, I that got me into Japanese comic so I read when I was little I read a lot of manga I was like kind of a snob about it I'd be like do you want to read do you want to read this Superman book and I was like from America (laughs) (laughs) what am I a peasant get that out of my face Uh, so I never really read like traditional superhero comic books because I was really reading you know like Magic Knight Ray Earth and, and Utena and all that kind of stuff and then it wasn't until I got older and like the Marvel movies started coming out um, and some of the DC movies too that I was like, oh, you know, I should, I, I used to love comics way back in the day. I should, I should try out some comics. So I feel like it was what got me back into it was probably like Hawkeye. I think the, uh, the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run like back in probably 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, I picked up, because Sarah recommended it. Uh, Sarah, friend of the podcast, recommended <laughs> Team Werewolf. Oh, it's, it's so great. Team Werewolf. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she recommended She's like, oh, it's so great. And then she recommended Saga, which is the, the one I was complaining about in our, you know, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number eight. <laughs> <laughs> that like they take long breaks and I'm so behind. Um, and then before I knew it, I was reading a bunch of different Marvel titles and I was reading, you know, a couple of, uh, of uh, DC titles and like seeing what was going on with um, with some of the, the characters there. And uh, and then, you know, doing this podcast is obviously really, 
you know, expanded my my comic book knowledge. And I would be remiss to say, would be remiss if I didn't didn't say that Smallville, you know, uh, improved my Superman comic knowledge because I didn't really read superhero comics in like high school, but I did know a bunch of stuff about uh, Superman comics because of Smallville. It was like, Oh, they're introducing this person. I was like, well, what does he do in the comics? Um, So yes, I need to give big ups to Smallville. (laughs) (laughs) Begrudgingly as always. Yeah. Now you know about kryptonite gum and I the do. devastating effects that that can have on those who chew it. Remy Zero, never forget. Remy Zero, <laughs> forever. Uh, well, that's really interesting. Uh, now, I'm curious, what about the Hawkeye run? Was uh, did what What made you gravitate towards it? I liked that it was more like I've always thought because I didn't read a lot of like superhero comics uh, or, you know, big, big two, big three, whatever uh, comics. I didn't really, I thought of the, the superhero stuff as being way more like this person is fighting this person. And, you know, it's the end of the world and everybody's mad. And, uh, you know, like those kind of those team books, you know, where everybody's teaming up to fight a central villain. I thought, Everything was like that, honestly. And I was like, oh, that seems exhausting. Um, But Hawkeye was kind of just about a guy who could barely function on his own, just living in New York, uh, trying to, you know, trying to outrun a a tracksuit mafia that only said the word bro. And, (laughs) you know, he has a he has a dog and he 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 has complicated relationships with all of his exes and he's got like a mentee that he's, he's trying to take care of, but she's, you know, doesn't really listen to him. And it was like, it was very ground level and it was very like the story was grounded and felt kind of more real. And it just kind of felt like um, every day in the life, which I liked, I was like, Oh, okay. I don't need to have the backstory of like 300 years of comic book mythology <laughs> to understand that like Hawkeye likes coffee <laughs> and he doesn't like crime. Uh, <laughs> I was like, great. I got that. I got that. And uh, I think at that, I got lucky because at that point, I think Marvel was having, you know, going through a period where it was doing a lot of these like, individual like ground level stories with the different heroes so i think that was around the time that they launched like miss marvel and they had like a good black widow run and it was like a couple of like individual titles i found oh these are more accessible it's just about one person and their whole deal it's not like 15 characters 10 of who i've never heard of uh and you know if i didn't if i miss superman number 252 i'm never gonna understand what's going on in here it was um it was like i feel like the individual books made it more accessible for me to like jump in i've since really like gotten into you know i i read a bunch of wonder woman's runs uh obviously supergirl i read a bunch of like she hulk um and miss marvel and Black Widow. And so I find that the individual character stuff, I am I like a lot more than like the, you know, Avengers or the Justice League or whatever, because it's like 
when once it gets to be a bunch of characters, it gets really complicated. And then like my brain explodes. And I'm like, oh, I needed to cross reference that issue. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you gravitate more towards the character. Yeah. The character stories. stuff yeah. I really like. And I think the visual medium can really help with the character stuff. It's kind of like, you know, the same reason we enjoy TV and movies and stuff like that. There's that visual component. Yeah, I I agree. I I tend to like those stories a lot more. I'll read the punchy punchy into the world stuff, but <laughs> but I I like the the character base stuff too. It's it's easier to get into. I I find it is uh, it is. Uh, so interesting, interesting. Okay, well, um, so you uh wrote this story for By Visibility, a bisexual anth- anthology, still by. Uh, so how did you uh, get that opportunity? How did the opportunity present itself to you? Maybe I don't, I don't know. Is that the best way to put I that? Did you did you I, did you want to write a story or did the story come to you? Um, I wanted to write a story and then it, and then it was kind of delivered to me. So what ended up happening (laughs) was that, um, this is basically like part two electric boogaloo of the, uh, by visibility anthology part one cat did cat launched my co-host on legends of tomorrow podcast last year. Um, and it did really well. And I thought, Oh man, that, that was so cool. I, I wish I had like put in for that but I didn't. And then she was doing a a part two, but she was uh, soliciting pitches for it over Christmas. And I was really busy over Christmas, um, not getting to go to Disney world because I can't, my flight had been canceled. And so still bitter. And so (laughs) I, I was talking to Kat one day, like right after that. And she was talking about putting together the second part of the the anthology and I was I said to her oh you know I wish I had submitted for it but you know I was just really busy right then I didn't really have the time to do it she said oh yeah definitely like well the next time I'll let you know in advance so you can get something together and I was like that sounds great I thought that's where it was gonna end and then about a week later she texted me and said like we just had somebody story drop out would you want to hop in at the last minute and take their place? And I was like, sure. I've done a lot of writing competitions and now I'm ready to do things very fast. Um, (laughs) It turned out it was like really great uh, experience for having to hop in at the last minute and do something. So she sent over a couple of different pitches for different stories that they were thinking about um, putting into the anthology to give me kind of like a jumping off point, which was great because the thing I liked about doing those, um, those NYC midnight contests was that they would give you like prompts. Cause like for me, sometimes the hardest part is starting and having an idea. Yeah. But if you give me like, well, it has to be in an igloo. I'm like, okay okay, that's somewhere to go. Like, <laughs> I can't boil the ocean. You can't say you can write about anything. I'm like, I don't know. But it's like, you have to write, you know, about a small kitten making a journey across the United States. And I'm like, that kitten's <laughs> going to go on some adventures. Uh, so I want to so, read that story. Right? Me too. It's basically. Does the, does the kitten end up in the igloo? I think, yeah, now I think me, she does. Yeah. <laughs> go, me, go. Me, meets a penguin friend. Oh and man! Then they just have. We're writing one of those children's books right now. <laughs> Arctic, <laughs> Arctic adventures. I I love that for all of them involved. Like I love that journey for that kitten. Um, but yeah, Kat sent me like a couple of like prompts. Like, oh, here are some you know things that we were thinking. Like, like literally, like 
one sentence things. Like, here's what we were thinking. Like, if you want to take one of those, you can go with it. So I was like, okay, I'll take one of those. And I think I turned it around in a weekend. Wow. Maybe so a just weekend? a couple of days? It was a couple of days. I feel like I, I found out about it at the end of the week. And I had like submitted her the first draft on like the beginning of the next week. Because I knew wow. that she had like a tight, you know, they had like some tight deadlines. And I, I had already told them that I could get it turned around fast. And I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, that was kind of what that, ex- the how that came about. Um, and it was like, it was kind of a crazy experience, uh, because I had to do it so fast that I, I feel like I didn't get, have to overthink it, which is great for me because I would have. <laughs> yeah. 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 You could definitely uh, go back and go back and go back and try mm-hmm. to fix things and fix things and fix things. Uh, but, uh, deadlines are good for that. Uh, well, can you give the listeners and the viewers uh, a little tease of what your story ended up becoming? Maybe yeah. maybe don't spoil everything, but like just a little just a little short description. Put, yeah. put yourself in the shoes of our our great uh, description writer friend Veronica. Oh, Veronica. Well, how would okay. Veronica describe your I get story? To be my own Veronica. That's <laughs> the Veronica of my own life. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Actually, it's like the Veronica of my own story. Okay, so the story <laughs> is about a pop star who just went through a bad breakup. And she uh, she goes through a couple of uh, pretty dramatic things in in the the getting over that breakup, and she meets she meets someone new who is a uh, who is a woman, and then she has to decide how she wants to come out uh, to the world, and uh, so that's sort of the crux of the story. And I will say that the the, the log line that Kat gave me was like a Taylor Swift esque pop star comes out. And like, that was the log line. And I had a whole story plotted out about how this was going to go. And then as I started writing, I thought of a stupid joke that changed the entire story. Essentially. I like started writing and I was like, Oh, it would be really funny if she did that. And then everything else about the story had to change because <laughs> like her love interest job had to change dramatically. Uh, and, and so that was definitely a case of like you, I had it all plotted out. And then I was like, I think this is better. I think this is funnier. So it's very like, it's a very rom-com story, essentially. It's uh, I think it's like eight pages. So I didn't have a lot of real estate to work with. It is an anthology. So there's a bunch of different stories in, um, in this anthology. So mine is just one of them. Uh, and I think eight pages is honestly one of the longer uh, page counts too, for one of the stories, because I oh. cannot be uh, I cannot be brief or concise in any aspect of my life. And so writing is the same way. And so I was like, oh, man, if you're telling me what the max page count is, that's what I'm doing. So that's interesting. So uh, so did you just write the story and then so I have a lot of questions about yeah, the, yeah, no, the, process. For, the format mm-hmm. of how to write this because. I've talked to a couple, I mean, on the podcast here, we've talked to several different comic writers and I've listened to interviews and read interviews, you know, just in written form about the process and everybody seems to do it a little differently. So that's interesting to hear that uh, you chose the eight page count. Now, was that because 
you just happened to write eight pages or did you write it as eight pages? So I wrote it. Yeah, I wrote it as eight pages. So Kat Kat is the expert. Kat, uh, my co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, has done many comics, has done comic projects. She's done, she's the queen of Kickstarter. Uh, She has a webtoons called Slice of Life that she writes with Phil, uh, her her co-writer. So she she's i was in good hands having never written a comic because i was just like Mah. uh so one of the things i asked her to do is and i had i had supported the first um and by anthology obviously i'm a good friend uh so i had the issue because i always like if i'm gonna support it i might as well get the paper copy right um so i had the issue uh and so i asked her to send me a bunch of the scripts so what i did was i read the first anthology and then i looked at the scripts and then i would like refer back to the anthology like the anthology, the published comic for- form, and I would see how they turned that script into the comic. And when you say that there's not, you know, everything is different, it's so different. Like the scripts for so many of the different ones that she sent over from the first anthology, all of the scripts looked different. So that was fun. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, so there's no standard. Great, that's not stressful at all. So I can just kind of do what I want. Um, so I just kind of saw like the basic formatting that you know you tell, you know you tell the page number, you tell the panel number, and then you say what's going on in the in the page in the panel. So yeah, so f- some of the examples that you put up here, like uh, here's page one, panel two, right? So um, that's how many. That's that would be the second panel on the page, and I'm just. You know, I'm giving some, I'm giving some detail about what uh, the main character, her name's Olivia, what her house looks like. So it's ultra modern and ultra expensive, and she's in sweatpants and she's eating a giant Costco-sized bag of cheesy poofs. She's not doing well, right? Uh, <laughs> the cheese dust all over her face. I put in the description, she is not doing well. I have to say, uh, reading that, I can hear your voice in the italicized, <laughs> not doing well. <laughs> she's she's had better days uh and then you know it says you know we see the tv screen and it's like an entertainment tonight show and then the headline is about her heartbreak so yeah so i'm giving descriptions uh for the artist of like how to draw this this scene and i i i don't think that there's i don't know that there's a ton of dialogue in the scene but it's basically like scene setting so this is what i want the house to look like this is what i want her to look like that she's kind of a mess and this is what she's looking at while she's you know uh downing a costco size bag of cheesy poofs <laughs> <laughs> so how did you um I have questions uh, related to these things. So I guess the first one, since we've been talking about panels is uh, how did you, were you given a certain number of panels that could be on the page or how did you determine that? How did you say, I want uh, this many panels on this page. I want it to look like this. Uh, Did you, were you, while you were writing it, did you have the visuals in your head about what that would look like? Or did you just, uh try to work it out in terms of the dialogue like where things would go like how how do you how do you do that how do you determine how many panels and and what they're supposed to look like on the page it was tough honestly i i've never written for comics before so it's like a new medium for me so i looked at so many of the scripts that she sent over from the first anthology and was like okay how many panels like would look open the comic and 
like read, like how many panels does this page have? I would count them. How many panels does this page have? This page looks, you know, not that like anybody's looked bad, like, but like this page looks like it has a lot of panels on it. How many panels is a lot of panels? And I would count them. Um, so I was, and I was trying to keep in mind the first draft that I turned into cat. Some of the feedback that came back was, we can condense panels. Like we don't need, let's try to get a couple less panels on this page because that'll allow us to have bigger panels, splashier panels, right? Like um, I don't have any splash panels because uh, splash pages, because obviously uh, I'm not capable of that as a writer uh, <laughs> of paring it down that much, not with it just eight pages, but you know, there were a couple of pages, you know, that, that are three panels, maybe um, that, started out as five panels or started out as four panels and that in the second draft i i went can i condense some of the storytelling can i can i give it a little bit more room in some of those panels to like let it breathe versus you know sticking seven panels on a page or something like that i think cat was also like you probably want to you probably don't want to give it you know, don't want it to be more than, you know, six panels. And I was like, okay, because I don't know anything about comic writing. I was like, that sounds like gospel to me. And I'm not going to do more than six panels because <laughs> I don't know. I don't want it to be too cluttered looking. So the figuring out how many panels was going to be on each page kind of went along as I was telling the story and, and going like, okay, here I want it a panel to be a little bit bigger or here I want to stick a little bit more story. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to put a couple more panels in this page. And was that sort of determined by dialogue? Yeah. Some of that was by dialogue. A lot of it was by like what was happening in the story and like how to get from A to B. So, and I wanted to make some, some decent page flips too, which I don't know that I did like a masterful job at, but like, you know, having, having something at the bottom of the page that would make you want to go to the next page. Um, I think I was trying to, trying to be mindful of that, but obviously as my first time going through, I'm not sure if I did like a perfect job of that. But yeah, it was more as I was writing it along going like, oh, I need this character to get to this point to do this. Uh, I think I had a time jump in the in the issue in the in the story as well. So, you know, I wanted to give that that time jump panel like a little bit more space to breathe. So I, that was one where I was like, OK, when I do the time jump, I want that to be a bigger panel. And uh, that means I'm going to have to pare down what's like on the rest of that page. So what is the uh, relationship between a writer of a comic book and the artist? Because uh, I see in your your script that you provided me. Thank you very much. I think this is very <laughs> helpful to look yeah. at in terms of the process um, that you did write some descriptions of things. So what is there a is there a fine line of writing too much description or not writing enough? How do you. Uh, do you collaborate with the artist at all or do you just try to give enough description for the artist to start start going somewhere? Yeah, I honestly can't say enough about how good my my artist was. Uh, I I've been like joking with with Kat and, and Phil and, and, and Dan that like, I don't know why you guys complain about you know about how hard it is to do comics this seems so simple to me <laughs> because I was I think I was the last one in the last story in and the first story done like the first story wrapped because 
my artist was so fast. And so we gave, I think, uh, I believe her name is Alexandra. She's a, uh, an Italian artist. She's really, really great. Um, and I will give you her, her Kickstarter, uh, not her, her Instagram name, but we basically, we just gave her the, the script and she, uh, she provided us with some sketches and I was like, oh, okay. And we, we got those sketches and we looked them over and we gave her like a little bit of feedback. We honestly didn't have to give her all that much. She, that's how good, uh, she is. Her name's Alessandra, uh, and I'm going to probably brutalize her last name, uh, Ken Zanella. Um, and she is at Alex E Y N N E on uh, Instagram, but she, she got back to us and she got us some, some like rough sketches and uh, we were like, okay, we gave her a couple of little edits. She sent us back a more formalized version. We gave her maybe another round of small edits and then she sent us back the colorized version. It was pretty much done. Like it was a very seamless process. And I think, I mean, I, I hope because there was a decent amount of, description um that i put into the script that it made hopefully made the process of um of doing the art for it easier but i don't know i i've heard um from from cat and phil and dan that like everybody's kind of different in how much description that they put in and i'm sure that you i mean i've heard that you know reading interviews with comic writers or some that like give very bare bones descriptions or some that write like just huge chunks of description. Um, I think I was, I wasn't uh, writing a huge, you know, I wasn't writing a novel as a description, but I think I was hopefully giving enough that like, cause I was imagining in my head what it looked like. And then I was like, okay, let's hope for the best. Um, but yeah, I think every, uh, it seems like every comic writer is different in how much description that they give and how much they leave up to the artists, you know, ideas and perspectives. And I, I can say like when, when she got back some of the stuff, I was like, Oh, that's better than I was thinking. Like that's better than I thought of it in my head. Um, and I, I just thought that the, you know, the process of working with her was so nice and seamless. Um, we didn't ever, we, we never had, we've never like spoken like you and I are speaking. We was all over email. Uh, but I thought she did like a really amazing job. And I think that her, you know, her art is so beautiful and her colors are so good too. I, I thought the way everything was so colorful was so great. And I was talking earlier about the, um, the time jump. Uh, there's a time jump, of course, in an eight page story, why wouldn't you have a time <laughs> jump? That makes sense. Uh, why wouldn't you try to shove an entire rom-com uh, movie into eight pages? <laughs> Good job, Morgan. Um, <laughs> but I was so impressed with like, I think I gave like a very brief description of like, oh, their their house is like very homey and has like a lot of plants. And uh, and it's a beautiful like like big panel. And it really did make it come alive in a way that I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about all of that, but that looks great. And like, yeah, that's ex it kind of exactly what I'm thinking was thinking about, but better. And, uh, and so it, it's, I will say is like somebody who primarily does like prose writing, the experience of like seeing somebody take the story I wrote and put art to it 
was like wild. It was just like, I can't believe that like you bothered to draw what I wrote. <laughs> like, even though I knew it was happening, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's so nice that you did that. Um, and it just came out so nice. Yeah. So the, the, the process of working with the artist was like very, very seamless, which I am told is not always the case. <laughs> and then I should not have expected that. And <laughs> it's not easy, Morgan. Um, but for me, it was like the, you know, the back and forth with her was was so quick and easy and she took direction she didn't fight us on things I've heard some stories about you know some artists being a little picky if you're like hey could you change that and they're like it's my vision <laughs> we were like hey could you like change that and she's like yeah here look it here you here you go I was like great no problem well, that's good it, it sounds like it was a very collaborative process and uh, I, I do think that that is pretty cool to to have something you wrote come alive like that. That's, that's a pretty awesome, awesome thing. So I'm glad it went as seamless as it did for you, even though that's probably not the norm. I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> that for your first uh, attempt at comic book writing, it was uh, something very positive and natural in some ways, even though uh, you were kind of just having to imagine it in your head. So that I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that was a good experience. Well, uh, I'm just, Curious because uh, because we read on Supergirl Radio. I know you read comics outside of Supergirl Radio, but uh, we talk a lot about uh, things on the podcast that maybe a comic could have done better or maybe we didn't uh, think was well handled or maybe we liked a certain thing about a, a comic. Uh, so we, we critique it and we analyze it. So were, was there anything from your experience in reading comics that you either wanted to put into your story or were there things about comics that you've read that you're like, Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm going to avoid that. Was it, was there anything like that <laughs> when you were actually in the process of writing your story? Yeah. I mean, I, I think having read a good amount of comics helped a lot in writing one. I think that's like, obviously it's, it feels obvious to say it, but I mean, I think it really did help to know the medium and to have read as many comics and to, to remember like, oh, this is the one I this one I liked and this one I didn't think worked as well. And um, and to trying to make it kind of, you know, snappy on the page and to make the dialogue um, really work for the medium. I, I feel like I, I did draw on stuff that we've read and uh, and critiqued and like you know tried to try to apply those do's and don'ts uh <laughs> to as best as i could but yeah i definitely do think like reading comics if you know if somebody's out there is interested in writing their own comic like reading them is really a great way to start um because it really does give you the uh, the cadence of like how comics work and how you know how many panels to put on pages and like like i said when i was like I don't know how many panels to put on a page. How do I know this? I was literally opening up, you know, and looking at comics and going one, two, counting one, two, three. Okay. This one has five. The next page has six, you know, the next page has three. Okay. So I can vary it up uh, and, and things like that. So yeah, for, for sure. I, I mean, I wish I had, I wish I had the economy of storytelling to have done a splash page. Cause I think that would have been really fun. I don't. And that's <laughs> something I acknowledge and, and accept about myself. Um, but I think that that 
you know, just knowing the medium really did help. And I think, you know, as much as we, you know, we, we do these comic reviews, I think that actually helped as well. Cause we've been, you know, we don't just like read them and go, okay, that's fun. We like critique them and like, look at the art and look at the, you know, how the, how the art tells the story and how the, how the words and the art uh, work together. And I was hoping to do that as well. Cause I did have, you know, I had some voiceover and stuff like that, which is, you know, something I've seen from, from comics that we've been reading, you know, the, the Supergirl woman of uh, tomorrow is a perfect example of some, uh, you know, the, the voiceover, you know, bubbles turns out to be spoiler alert, Ruthie's book narration, but like, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, oh yeah, well, I can do a voiceover. You know, I can tell some of this story in voiceover. It doesn't all have to be in dialogue. So, so what I'm hearing is you may not have a turret golden X and in your wish. story. I wish. If only, <laughs> if only there was a turn golden axe. And I, that would have been, I think, the, the perfect way to fix to like to to end it is just like at the end, before the happy ending, turn golden axe just jumps up and is like, ah. And then it's like to be continued. <laughs> just have a character that had no prior experience in the story that came in, you have no idea who it is, and then they leave, <laughs> and you're like, why were they here? That's yes. that's always a good thing to put in your comic book story. I, I, I think specifically Turin Golden Axe should just be in every comic. <laughs> that character. Just always, like, make a like a surprise appearance in every comic. It's like, oh, my God, it's Turin. <laughs> <laughs> every comic you read is like, I wonder when it's going to happen. When, when is she coming gonna... in? <laughs> just the poking up from the bottom of a panel. <laughs> if I ever wrote a comic, I would put Turin Golden Axe in, probably. Um uh... That's that's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad to hear your thoughts on that because I, I was wondering if your critiquing of comics um, uh, played any part into your actual writing process. Um, so uh, looking back on your comic writing experience, what did you take away from the process and uh, maybe how, how would that apply? Like how would your experience writing a comic do you think would apply to how you read comics in the future, how you analyze or critique them for specifically Supergirl radio? Do you (laughs) you think you would have takeaways for the next time you uh, look at a story? Yeah. I mean, I think it just made me more aware of what the writing process is like for comics and how different it is from other, other mediums. Like obviously writing prose is way, way different than writing for, you know, comics or, um, or like screenwriting or a screenplay. I mean, I think uh, comics is kind of closer to like the screenplay idea. So I did a couple of those when I did like the NYC Midnights and and those were the first time I had ever written any screenplays. And I was like, I don't know how to do this either. Um, but I was like, I'll figure it out. Um, and so I think that that kind of started me on a path of like having to think visually like you know obviously you know it's not going to ever get filmed or anything but like if it was uh how would that look and like what would what would that be like and like what story would you tell with that and you have to kind of think visually I think that that really helps for um for the comic book writing so yeah I think it'll help like as we talk about future Supergirl stories to to think about how the comic book writer is putting things together and to think about how the artist is, is taking what they might put, uh, what scripts they might get and, and interpreting it. Um, I can, I can, you know, just thinking about Supergirl woman of tomorrow, I can imagine, 
I, I don't know, but I can imagine that Tom King maybe gave uh, Bilquis Everly's like, you know, oh, Supergirl is standing over the town. And then she's like, okay, great. The town is the most beautiful town you've ever seen. <laughs> and the sky is full of colors. And it's like, I mean, I don't know that Tom, did Tom King put in that like, you know, there's colors everywhere. Or is that just her art style? And he was like, great. That works really well for the, for the comic. And I think, you know, for a one shot like what I did, you know, I was cat uh, had sent me this is who's going to be the artist on your story. And I went through her Instagram and and saw all her great art. And I was like, score. Um, but I think for ongoing titles, you get used to the artist, you know, an issue or two comes out and they start to work with each other. And then they start to know like what the art style is like. So they could also write to it. So it's kind of like what you hear on, you know, TV shows where it's like, oh, this actor is bringing this certain something to a role. So then we started writing to it. But I think that like comic book writers can do that with the art as well. So I think that's definitely something I'm going to keep in, in mind for future, you know, for future runs that we read, like does the, does the does the storytelling start to uh, start to utilize the art a little bit better as as things go along as the artist and the writer work together more often? Interesting. Well, uh, what do you hope people? I know I know the story is not very long, it's <laughs> eight pages. But what what do you hope people maybe uh, get out of it? What do you what do you hope they uh, after they're finished reading it? What do you, what do you hope they get out of it? I just hope that they enjoy it. You know, I, I wanted to write a story that was just a, like a fun rom-com story. Because I know that the, you know, the Bi-Visibility um, anthology, it's it's really tackling the, you know, the topic of, of bisexuality and being bisexual from a bunch of different perspectives. And some of those are going to be heavier and some of those are going to be more, you know, focused on the experience and the community. And I just wanted to tell like a fun rom-com story <laughs> like a rom-com story that i would like to see um because i feel like sometimes you know queer movies can either be uh, can sometimes be really really heavy and we don't get those like kind of hallmarky <laughs> um you know those those you know classic rom-com films and i was just like what would be fun would be to have a, a classic rom-com film where the two leads just happen to be women. Uh, and I thought that that's kind of what I wanted to bring to it. I wanted to bring, you know, kind of a, the straight, the sort of the ditzy one and like the straight laced one, uh, you know, where at the end it's, it's just like, Oh, I've got an idea, but it's going to involve a costume change. And the <laughs> love interest is like all of your ideas involve costume changes. It's, you know, it's the uh, kind of the, the grumpy and the, sunshine one it's a, a well-worn trope but i was like you know those tropes we like them for a reason um right so yeah i think i think if you if you read the if you read the story and you just came out of it smiling and uh and having enjoyed the enjoyed the ride then i think i think i did a, a good job cool well uh i know we've talked about the independent comic world uh but i'm curious if you could write a comic story for any of the big oh. comic book co uh, companies, whether it be DC Comics or that other uh, <laughs> that other company, Marvel, or uh, you mentioned Im Image Comics, if you could write any comic book uh, it, for for any comic book character, uh, which which character would you want to tackle? Oh, that's such a great question. I feel like my answer is 
so boring. It doesn't have to be Supergirl. Because my answer is Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to, to give you that out if you needed that. Out. Yeah. No, I think I would I would love to write a Supergirl story. And I think part of the reason is because obviously synergy, right? Right? <laughs> synergy. I'm a marketing person. Um, but but you know, we've read so many Supergirl stories, and I think the, another part is just like I I feel like so many of the Supergirl stories that we've written, uh, they just don't seem to get the character or are not very interested in the character. I think there's definitely been some runs that have been really phenomenal that we've read. Um, but there's been like a lot of stuff in between where it feels like they just don't really know what to do with Supergirl, like DC in general, maybe the writer in particular, they're just like, I don't know, we've got Supergirl here. <laughs> um, so I would just like, you know, as a, as a big fan of hers, I would like to get a chance to tell a Supergirl story that's focused on Supergirl and sort of tells a story that about her. And I, and I would like to get the, uh, you know, the opportunity to tell something that's maybe a little bit weird and funny uh, and, you know, and wacky. And I don't think that every Supergirl story has to be, I mean, with stakes and stuff like that, but I don't think every Supergirl story has to be, you know, the end of the world and, you know, cyborg Superman is coming and he's going to kill everyone. <laughs> he's going to turn all the, your dead relatives into cybernetic <laughs> creatures and resurrect them. <laughs> Where's your hand? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like I just get, get me like a Supergirl story. Maybe Mr. Maybe Mr. Bones is. The, well, uh... this, this leads into my last question. Okay. So may, may, maybe we should save it for this question. Oh, okay. So, if Supergirl Radio, if you and I uh, <gasps> could write a Supergirl comic book story, what would it need to be about and mm. which elements of Supergirl mythology should it include? Oh, my God. Okay. Like, if, I, if you and I were sitting down yes. to do this. The Supergirl radio take on Supergirl. <laughs> um, I think we would need to have some great villains. I think we both believe strongly in having great villains. I think if I was going to pitch some villains, one of them would be director bones. Yeah, uh, whether or not he's Mr. Or director, whether he's climbed that corporate ladder. He, he needs a, he needs a character arc. He can, yeah, he starts as Mr. Bones by <laughs> yeah. the end. He's director bones. Uh, I love the idea of nasty Luther. Like oh, I love yeah. the idea of nasty Luther coming to befriend maybe befriend Kara and then just like being real nasty like she's just like <laughs> like the perfect frenemy where like Kara even kind of hates her and she kind of hates Kara and but she's like using all of her like stuff to to take down Supergirl I love the idea of Kara having to go up against nasty Luther I also love the idea uh of us throwing in um Rama Khan <laughs> oh, okay. But I think that, like, it, it in our in our conception of, of Supergirl, maybe Supergirl has to go and fight somebody, and she's got to know she's got to go talk to somebody who knows. So she has to go talk to <laughs> Rama Khan, who is a retired villain. <laughs> 
out on his out on his winery, <laughs> <laughs> offering her some Ramakans, Rama wines, and he's got he's kind of like he is he's like her Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> who she has to go to for advice. She, she's Clary. He's going yeah. to see Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> and just like every time she has to like she's like yes, no, no, this you have the best wine and cheese pairings Ramakan, <laughs> but I don't have time for a short coots right now. <laughs> like her, like her, the, the, what she has to do to get the information out of him isn't like torture him or, or like really like rough him up or like use or use any wiles on him. She just has to sit down and have a charcuterie board with him, but like every single time she's like, I'm getting so bloated from all the cheese. <laughs> I like these ideas. I think we should start writing this story. <laughs> I think we should start workshopping this a little more. What would uh, you put into a, a Supergirl radio? Supergirl I, story? I actually like the inclusion of Nasty Luther uh, because Nasty has not really been used since like the 70s, 80s. So mm-hmm. she's she's a character who's primed to come she's back. Ready. She's ready. Uh, especially since uh, the Supergirl TV show really wanted to use a lot of the Luthers, but never explored nasty and i I, I always felt like that was a big missed opportunity um it would be fun to bring leslie lar back i think that would be fun talking about you know uh big uh villains but i guess now i'm trying to think of uh like characters who could team up with her well i don't know if this would be a team up book uh but maybe maybe like a nasty luther leslie lar situation they could they could team up together like a super end of luther on well, the opposite side? <laughs> I, well, I was thinking that maybe also, like, what if Nasty and Kara had to be put in a situation where they had to work together? <gasps> oh, I that's fun. That could, I always love those. I, <laughs> I always wanted something like that to happen uh, on the TV show, and they never gave me, like, the Eliza Danvers, Lily and Luther <laughs> team up that I always yes. wanted. Uh, so maybe maybe Nasty would have, have to... Uh, I, I and, and maybe they wouldn't like it at first, but maybe you know it's one of those old. You talked about tropes, like an old trope, where like maybe they're not, not so bad after all. Like maybe they <laughs> become friends. Uh, a lot of my pitches involve characters becoming friends because that's a that's something that I want to see in some of these stories. It's, but it's like an unlikely animal friendship. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. Uh, you know, I mean, Comet would definitely have to be there in some form or fashion. I, maybe Comet's a horse. At the winery, oh, maybe, maybe just out in the fields. I think that that can maybe work. Uh, she just follows her home. <laughs> She's like, "Why is this horse following me?" And he's like, "I love you. <laughs> I'm cursed to be a horse, but I'm really a man." <laughs> so I think those would be some really good uh, elements to explore uh, i always like supergirl stories where she goes into the bottle city of candor that's a lot of fun yes those are always um, fun so that's that's a good time um i'd love to get snapper on there oh yes uh, but like maybe he starts out good and then goes evil like as the story progresses so like, would you would you rather have him, hands <laughs> so would you so would you rather have uh robot hand or stars or stars are or would you want both do you think i feel you like think we can put both in i think we can do both i think he starts out as like as like a helper right like oh this is this is my you know my good friend snapper car and then and then tragedy strikes and once he gets those robot hands like all 
all bets are off. He's he's, he's, gone the, to the, dark he's the, side. the twist. He's the twist in the story. <laughs> yes, that you didn't yes. see coming. Yeah, you he like goes cool Vader, and he's just like, I can't stop snapping. <laughs> I like that idea. So uh, I think that would that would be pretty cool. I would uh, I would be into reading that story. I think we've we've started something that could be uh workshopped and fleshed out a little bit. So I think, I think we're, we're onto something with some of those pitches. Uh, so thank you for uh, just uh, throwing out some Supergirl stories that maybe, maybe we could write. Cause I think, I don't know. I think we have uh, some knowledge that maybe uh, I, maybe I could pitch a, a vision and then you would be able to write it. Cause I'm not a great writer. So uh, I've, and I can say that cause I've tried. So <laughs> I am not a writer per se, but maybe I could give you some ideas. Uh, okay. Well, I think this is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. Thank you for joining me, Morgan. Thank you for letting me pick your brain about your comic book writing process and learning more about what you did for your story. Um, I guess maybe uh, just like every interviewee that we have on the podcast, I, I just want to ask you, where can our listeners and viewers find out more about how can they get in touch with you or keep in touch with you if they would like to follow you online? Oh, sure. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from your listeners. I bet they're great people. <laughs> uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. They can also find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which is what led me to this fun opportunity <laughs> and also on DC TV at their dark. And if any of them happen to have any other comic writing opportunities, I would definitely uh, take them up on that. And I may or may not put director bones into it if it's possible mm -hmm. or just another type of skeleton man. L listen, <laughs> the possibilities are endless and I'm here <laughs> for all of it. Spooky season is right around the corner if you believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a reminder, if you'd like to back the Kickstarter project, check out the link in the video description of this video on the DCTV podcast YouTube channel or the audio show notes for this episode of Supergirl Radio in your podcast feed, wherever you listen to Supergirl Radio. And uh, Kat Calamia, uh, uh, your co-host on Legends of Tomorrow, uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, told us that there were some trading cards available uh, that were inspired by stories in the anthology like Morgan's and they will be available for purchase. So I just wanted to mention that as well. It's really cool to see a character that you created end up on a trading card. This is, there's a trading card for, uh, for Ava, the love interest in my, in my story. And she's got like stats. Uh, so I guess you can like, uh, you could, get a bunch of the trading cards and like, I don't know, create a game in some way, do it and tell me how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, before we start getting into our Supergirl Radio and DC TV podcast plugs, we'd like to plug the podcast hosting platform that, that we here at Supergirl Radio have been using since 2015. And uh, we'll share a little information about an opportunity that is being offered until June 30th in case in case you, you've ever thought, hey, maybe I would want to start a podcast of my own, uh, here is a way that you can do it. If you're looking to start a podcast, use Supergirl Radio's unique promo code, SUPER, to get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn. When you sign up for a new account, get your show on Apple and Spotify, get helpful audience building stats, and all the support you need to sound your best. And hey... They can even do video, bring your podcast to life, and have your voice heard 
with Libsyn. Click on the link in the live stream video description or our audio podcast show notes. All right, now it's uh, time to get to our Supergirl Radio and DC TV podcast plug. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you are in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you also like the flash legends of tomorrow black lightning Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure Shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook, or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And to celebrate a Supergirl radio host writing a comic, uh, check out the Supergirl radio designs we have in the DCTV Podcast Tee Public Store. Yeah, speaking of Snapper Car, we have some Snap Judgments designs in the uh, Tee Public Store. We have mugs, hoodies, t-shirts, all kinds of things. Uh, so if you would like, if you're a big fan of Snap Judgments, uh, you can get some Snap Judgments merch. And we have a game night collection. So if you're looking forward to the next Supergirl Radio game night, uh, you can come correct with your your T-shirt or your hoodie or your mug if you uh, prefer to do it that way. So we have lots of uh, Supergirl Radio uh, exclusive merchandise in the DC TV podcast T Public store. All right. Well, I guess so. Uh, this now leads us into uh, thanking our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the uh, Supergirl Radio uh, Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny. If you would like to support, the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. We have four monthly levels uh, uh, for memberships, and we appreciate you uh, helping to support the podcast and keeping the lights on over here. And if you would like to uh, check out what I'm doing, uh, you can follow me on Vero at Derby Kid on Instagram at The Derby Kid. And I also have a personal YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, where I do film analysis over there. So if you're interested in art criticism, I do uh, some of that over there on my personal YouTube channel as well. 
Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio and my interview with a very <laughs> special uh, guest comic book writer. Uh, so thank you all for watching and listening. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And please consider backing by Visibility, a bisexual anthology. Still by. <laughs> McGurk! I love typing. Not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because she looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.